love and manipulation, they share houses very often. My name is Matthew Kroll. And a delusion is lies that tell the truth. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, suspiciously and specifically about Neither the of those words are in the title. I know. I was doing. I was trying <laughs> you, to use alliteration? S words. Alliteration. Yeah. Suspiria. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to have fun, and you ruined the fun literally in the first ten seconds. It's what I do. It's oh. What I do. I rock the house to make it. I'm sadness from inside out. Is what I am. Yeah. Have you watched Inside Out? No, I have. It's just inside. It's not Inside Out, isn't it? Wait. No. 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 Inside no you're out. right. Yeah. You're right. Anyway. So yes, I, okay. Yes. While I ruin fun, you're. I'm kind of helping you with facts here. So it's a balance out. Well. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, yes. No, facts are important. We live in a fact, uh, post-fact world, Matt. So I, facts are very important right I now. I understand. <laughs> um, that's totally fine. I just I wanted to do some alliteration in the beginning. I'm not going to complain. I'm happy to be talking. How are you, sir? I'm good. We are back from Spain, Espanol. That's right. Uh, hey, quick question I wanted to ask you. What movies did you watch on the planes there and back? <laughs> like, what, 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 are the, what did you watch? Two movies. Okay. What, Two what? movies. Are you ready? Yeah. First, The Meg. The Meg. How yep. was it? I enjoyed it. It was just yeah. fun and stupid and exactly what I wanted in an airplane movie. It seems like a good airplane movie. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I watched two... Oh, I watched Tag. Okay, another good airplane also, movie. Also, great airplane movie. Yeah. Uh, I, I, really, I really enjoyed Tag. I would watch <laughs> Tag again. Okay. Uh, and you'll, you'll fucking hate this. You ready? Avengers Infinity War. No. Oh, well, yeah. I was so tempted many, many times. <laughs> uh, Jurassic Park Fallen Kingdom. Oh, is it any good? You know what? You know what? What? I so I do the thing, which is when I'm working, I'll watch somebody else's movie. Okay, like I'll just so watch you, it. You so watched? I'll yeah. just see what you know somebody else is watching. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And somebody was watching Avengers. I'm um, sorry, uh, Jurassic World, and I was watching that. It, and so I was watching it silently. I think the ending's pretty weird. Look, I'm gonna <laughs> say something. I'm gonna say something, and maybe it's because we all know, scientifically speaking, you actually will enjoy a film on a plane more than you will on the ground, based on air, uh, altitude and air pressure. I don't think it's enjoy. You will. It you'll, will you'll, resonate. It'll resonate. Yeah. Emotional. It'll. It'll <laughs> feel stronger than the yeah. film probably deserves. Yeah. Uh, I liked Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. It was fine. Yeah. I, I liked it. It was an okay film, and. Uh, that movie knows how to make you give a shit about a CG raptor. I will say that. Okay. Like, that movie played on those heartstrings hard. Okay. Uh, I liked it. I liked it. Do I you said think it. Jurassic Park is now the jaws of our generation? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good analogy. I mean, it's, you know, this franchise started by Steven Spielberg, spawned off into many sequels. Sequels are always lesser. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, it but a, was... But a bigger budget thing. I mean, yeah. Jaws 4, where I think the... The revenge with Jaws is actually attacking a family. Of course, and and let's be clear: the plot of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom is is bona fide dumbassery to the umpteenth degree. <laughs> like it's literally like everyone thinks that dinosaurs are going to be like the military's ultimate weapon from and, now on, and like people forget that bullets exist. Yeah. You know? Like what are you doing? <laughs> It's like we we what's that yeah you know, what's that line we have an army we have a Hulk and then someone from drives by we have dinosaurs. There's one moment <laughs> I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but um the, I forget what the dinosaur's name is. But uh, if but I just, dinosaurs have names now? No, no no no. But like the the, the species oh, of dinosaur. Okay. There, right. There's like there's like criminals bidding on dinosaurs at a point. Oh okay, God. hold on, wait for this. <laughs> and the armored one comes out. The short for like walks on all fours one with the with the hammer tail. It's like all armored. It almost looks like a turtle. I like, I, was, I, I don't yeah. It was one of my favorites growing up. I can't remember the name. Anyway, they're like they're listing off all its attributes and then it's like but we call it the walking tank 
and I was like, why don't you just buy a tank? Like, yeah. what, the tank is going to be just as tough, and it can shoot stuff. And you can control it. Yeah, well, they, they, they get around that with certain genetic things. Uh, okay. Don't worry about it. This isn't the only podcast about <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. This is the only podcast about the film Suspiria. Okay. Well, no, I was just curious about that because we, we just came back, and I, yes. I was curious about plane What movie. did you do? What did you do? Uh, I watched Unsane, the Steven Soderbergh How film. How was that? Uh, it was not great, but it's a movie shot on an iPhone, which right. is why I wanted to, yes. I thought a plane would be a good medium to watch that film on. And then, uh, I watched The Prestige because I, I only want to watch movies that I, I don't necessarily want to see on a big screen and I've seen The Prestige enough and it was like, I gotcha. you know, it's a good enough movie to just yeah. kind of like throw on and I can just watch it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Unsane, which I didn't love, but I think it's an interesting movie. Okay. It's kind of a... Modern update of misery. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Lesser though. Only that or others? Uh, just those two movies. Okay. The, uh, and and of course we watched Lorik uh, yep. or Flowers, yep. Flores, uh, which we reviewed last week on our episode on places and cinema, mm-hmm. um, which I think is a really interesting episode. Something that we haven't done a lot. It's a, it's an unusual take on a yeah. uh, on I, what we do. I would say to check that episode out and yeah. not just because we made it. I think it was <laughs> a very fun look uh and it was nice you could and we were worried uh when we recorded it we're like, "Oh man, like we listened to the audio and like this audio actually sounds too clear." Like we Yeah, wanted, I was worried about that. We yeah. wanted like it to you know to hear the place. And I think you do. You yeah. hear you hear I want I but yeah, you're right. I wanted I wanted to feel like you were in a place listening, you know, you were listening yeah. to a conversation that was happening in a real place as opposed to a studio which was what we're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you enjoyed that episode, please write us in and and have thoughts about you know um, films and places or even airplane movies. Uh, write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail or hit us up on Twitter at onlymoviepod. Tweet it, tweet at us and let us know what your favorite uh, what your favorite airplane movie is. I think have you, have you got a favorite airplane movie? Uh, yeah, I, I it used to be um, it used to be airplane. Uh, no, Snowpiercer. <laughs> As an airplane movie. Yeah, I don't know why. I just always watch Snowpiercer on a plane like I have it on my laptop, et cetera, et cetera. I also, uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim is okay. another one that I just go to because, yeah. I mean, but I'll watch that like on a plane, on a train, on a whatever. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, uh, it's Thanksgiving week this week uh, on the, when we're releasing this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, great. Yeah. Oh, no. It's, oh, it's Thanksgiving will be coming up. So, yeah. It, yeah. So, exactly. happy almost Turkey Day to Americans. <laughs> um, I think my. My favorite memory of a plane movie was I remember I got really choked up watching 127 Hours on a Plane. Oh, wow. Uh, and I, I attribute that to the sort of emotional reasons. That, but I have watched the movie since, and I think it's a very good movie. I got choked up for the new Jungle Book on a plane. The, the Well, the, not the new Jungle Book. The old new Jungle Book. Yeah, the John that, Favreau Jungle Book. That's a reasonably... That's a pretty good movie. I actually really like that I, movie. I was not expecting to get the feels. I was, But then again, I was getting choked up at Fallen Kingdom. So let's just not yeah, talk let's about just it. move on. A uh, couple of uh, emails we want to take care of this week. I uh, want to say shout out to our friend A.E. Steve, assistant editor Steve, who hey, has... Steve. Uh, uh, talked to us before he requested the film I, Tanya, which we reviewed a while back, but he asked us, uh, I know you only review movies, but I'd love to hear your take on The Haunting of Hell House on Netflix. That's why you were talking about this before yeah, we started, exactly. you monster. I just finished it over the weekend and can't recall a more frightening, visceral viewing experience in my life. Director Mike Flanagan was able to come up with some of the most terrifying, suspenseful scenes 
I've ever witnessed. And it wasn't done with gratuitous gore or violence either. Uh, if you ever decide to let a series rev- uh, review into your podcast, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. Uh, we there, there have been a couple of times we've talked about doing a series uh, yes. on the show. I think earlier this year, I really wanted us to do Wild Wild Country, uh, but we weren't able to get around to it. Uh, Steve, I started watching the show. Matt, you started, you're, you're, you're only one episode in. I'm right? one episode in, and to be honest, I started at like 2, 2 a.m. at one point, and I fell asleep about two-thirds through. That's not a that's It's not a, a slow burn of, the, of a show. Yeah. Um, but I'm on episode four or five right now, and I, you know, like it's taking me a little bit longer because I can only watch an episode a night. I love this show. Nice. Thank you so much, Steve, for recommending the show. If you recall, we reviewed uh, Ouija 2, The Origins of Evil. <laughs> yeah, Steve Van Patten episode, what up? Yeah, which uh, Mike Flanagan also directed that. And I think I think we both made the comment at that time that Mike Flanagan directed the hell out of that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Despite being a sort of a paper-thin sure. movie, he really had a great eye in that movie and a great way to transition. And it's completely, I think we've been... Uh, that opinion has been validated by watching The House on Horning Hill. It is excellent. He's directing uh, Doctor Sleep next, which is a Stephen King adaptation, okay. a sequel to The Shining. Um, and I interesting, think, uh, yeah, uh, with Jack Torrance, you know, the little kid all yeah. grown up now. Uh, I'm I'm all uh, looking forward to that. So thank you, Steve, for the recommendation. We Thanks, I'm Steve. not sure we exactly will do an entire series review. Um, I mean, I've been pushing for Cowboy Bebop for a while too. No, we have got a request for Cowboy. Bebop. I know, yeah. I know. And and to be honest, I'm just on the Netflix combining those two things, both Cowboy Bebop and Netflix uh, animation and and uh, streaming service, Castlevania. Yep. Castlevania's killing it. Season two, I was like, oh, I didn't know I even gave a shit about Dracula. And <laughs> here we are. There you go. More uh, more than the uh, the the universal dark uh Oh yeah. <laughs> dark they universe. should yeah. <laughs> Thank God D- Dracula is public domain because yeah. weirdly, weirdly, Konami is beating uh Universal, which is Hey, one of my favorite weird. things growing up was the Monster Squad. Remember the Monster yeah, Squad? Yeah, Monster Squad's great. Yeah, I love it. Um another email here from Simon. He he actually wrote this a while back. I just wanted to respond to this. Uh, he'd uh, he and we'd read this email. Uh, basically, he was telling us that we really messed up by not having watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang before the Nice Guys. Uh, and I wanted to say I watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang over the weekend because I've had a kind of a, uh, an easygoing week this week where I've just kind of like had time to watch things. Wow. And it popped up on HBO. Um, I gotta say, Simon, uh, I kind of responded to it about the same as I did the Nice Guys, which is that I wasn't overly impressed. Wow. Um, I remember really liking it when I saw it. Oh, you've seen Kiss Kiss Bang? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I thought you hadn't seen it. I, no, I, no, I, I I, have, but it's one of those films, again, that I it's, I, I, watched it, I was like, that was cool, and then I don't ever think about it again. Yeah, it's. I, I can totally see that. But I, I think, like, the thing to appreciate there is, like, context. It was, you know, 2005. It's got a very, like, wink to the camera. It's before uh, Robert Downey Jr. becomes Iron Man, so it's got this sort of uh, irreverent light touch to it, which makes it a lot of fun. I think it's, to me... As a noir film, it's I don't find it that great or engaging. Mm. I don't find the story very engaging, and I find the sort of wink to the camera stuff a little bit. Eh. All right, but um, uh, so I apologize if you know, like you were so excited to get me to watch that, and I did, and I didn't love it. But uh, thank you again for the recommendation. I, you know, I I, I cited a couple of uh, uh, films back to him of, of of films of this style that I really love. Uh, and they were the Big Lebowski, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and Brick. Right. Um, uh, as as comparisons, but I, I I don't know. Shane Black at this point now for me, this is a I think he's zero for four for me. <laughs> no, no. Actually, that, 
and I think his best film that I've seen. No, so I love Lethal Weapon, Last Boy Scout, all the stuff he's written. I think those are great. Um, I think the best thing he's directed, in my humble opinion, I know a lot of people say it's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but for me, it's Iron Man Three. That's so strange coming from you. <laughs> that's so strange coming from me. But that's basically. I mean, I'm I'm picking one out of four here. Yeah. Predator, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Nice Guys, Iron Man Three. <laughs> right, I'm gonna go with Iron Man three. Shane Black, I think you're. I think he's a good writer. I don't love those films. All right, that's okay. fine. That's fine. We got a review on iTunes as well, didn't we? Matt? We did. This is actually from someone named Simon as well. Only they have a moniker to go with their name. Simon says. Uh, no, Simon, <laughs> uh, the slacker. Is, what did is, Simon is, the slacker say? Uh, a podcast about films that has an excellent split of hoity-toity and popcorn cinema. You're the uh, hoity-toity, right? I am. I 100 yeah. percent. Uh, they are a fun couple of guys. <laughs> Give them a listen. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, Simon. We I appreciate think, that. I think actually the fact that you wrote that review means you are not a slacker, sir. So uh, <laughs> thank you for, or at least thanks for bucking the trend for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we appreciate all your emails and uh, comments on Twitter. I don't tend to read, I mean, we get into, I get into long conversations on Twitter hey, now. if anyone wants to really, really talk to someone on Twitter, here's your guy. Yeah, you can you can tweet me and I will respond. He will come back, especially yeah. if you say something that he doesn't agree with. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so please keep those emails coming in at OnlyMoviePodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at OnlyMoviePod. And drop us a review on iTunes if you get a second, like Simon uh, the Slacker, who, or I should call him the Not Slacker at this point, did, and uh, we really appreciate it. Five stars is the best, but you know, we'll take whatever stars you can give. Now, speaking of five stars or lisser, I'm curious... No, that didn't tie in. No, well. you can try I, it. I you want to start again? No, 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 oh. I'm good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to abandon it halfway. Okay. Uh, speaking of reviews that's sure. what we do yep. uh, let's do one okay of a film yep. by the name of Suspiria right okay yep directed by Luca Guadagnino you did a great transition yeah no the most awkward of transitions yep. uh, directed by Luca Guadagnino who we have reviewed we've reviewed one film of his but I've seen uh, I've seen a handful of his films now but we reviewed Call Me By Your Name last year which we yes. both loved mm-hmm. uh, won an Oscar um and as returning now, what do you? What, how do you follow uh, a celebrated, <laughs> idyllic look at a romantic uh, relationship that spurs that that is spurned by the the hot Italian summer uh, that 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 gives you that lingering feeling of love and lust and and emotional waves? How do you follow that, Matt? What do you do? You follow if you Luca Guadagnino. You follow it uh, with a film set in the cold dankness of drizzly. Germany. Berlin. <laughs> and a remake yeah. of Dario Argento's seminal 1977 classic Suspiria. Yeah. Are you a fan of Dario Argento? Uh, yeah, well, I've seen the original Suspiria. Okay. Um, I think that might have been my only film I've seen of his. Yeah. What were some of his? Uh, refresh my memory, so please. So there's Tannenbray, Deep Red, uh, the, bir- uh, the Bird with the Crystal Plumage. That sounds familiar. Phenomena. Oh, I've uh, seen Phenomena. Um, I believe those. I mean, I gotta admit, I I went through a binge of Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci. I was like, I wanted to learn about the Giallo yeah, yeah. films. Like back, this was like early college for me. You know, I would like just rent a bunch of these things and watch them. Uh, you know, I'd like do two a night kind of thing. I don't like. I think you have to be a real cinephile to love and appreciate. Uh, Dario Argento, Lucio Fulci. They are they are revered in horror circles. They are revered in cinema circles. Yeah. But they're not like well known to the general public. Like, yeah. you know, I don't think the everyday man on the street. <laughs> there's no the... there's no Rob Zombie. Exactly. There's no Rob Zombie. There's no 
Jesus. Uh, Rob. They're Rob no, Zemi- They're not even Rob. He's not even Rob Zemeckis. They're no Jesus. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> well, you said Jesus. I was I was playing up. You said I Jesus. I, I see what you did. There. Um, I don't like it, but I see what. You I'm did. looking at the IMDb page, which I will read in a moment. But I'm just noticing there's a little bit of an advertisement for the now playing, and it shows. Um, it shows the dancers in their in their string costumes that they do at the end of the film with obviously Dakota Johnson at the forefront and it looks like a poster for like a weird off-Broadway dance troupe like in New York City you just see in the subway. <laughs> I would go see that show. I would totally see that show. It's very, very funny. Anyway, you know what's not funny? The description of this film. <laughs> I like what you did there. A darkness swirls at the center of a world-renowned dance company, one that will engulf the artistic director, an ambitious young dancer, and a grieving psychotherapist. Some will succumb to the nightmare. Others will finally wake up. I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put my money down here, where where my mouth is here, and say that is the best IMDb synopsis ever. That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty. Good, That's uh, pretty. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Bravo. Well done. I like wow. it. Wow. Wow. Uh, it only took 188 episodes, yeah. but we found a description that really speaks to us. Yeah. No, I'm 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 with it on that one. I think I think that's great. I wish they put the writers. Of the blurb, I want to know who <laughs> writes the blurb. I mean, it's it's in it's a IMDb marketing us. executive. Right? Email uh, us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. Where do you get your blurbs? Where do you get them? Uh, and Tom Hanks is the burbs. Yeah, the burbs. <laughs> Where do you get your burbs? Um, Shahir, what um what were your first thoughts of this remake of the uh, as you put it seminal horror classic? Okay, so first off, just a. I did not revisit the original Suspiria. Nor did I. I and, and I did that on purpose. I had time to do it. <laughs> I did it because I was lazy. Right, got you. So you're Simon the Slacker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, Simon. I had time to do it, but I didn't. I, I, I kind of said, look, I didn't love that original uh, to begin with. I think it's beautiful. Like whenever anyone asks me what are the most beautiful films ever shot, there's only two films that ever come to mind, and Suspiria is one of them. What's the uh, other one? Uh, the Assassination of Jesse James. Oh yeah. Uh, and I always say these are the two most beautiful films I think I've ever seen. Um, and the score is fantastic, but I don't love that movie. I just, I it just does. Apart from being beautiful, it does very well sure. for me. Um, but of course, Luca Guadagnino is someone I'm very excited by. Um, his film "I Am Love" is literally is is very much on the top five films I've seen in the last ten years, kind of thing. Um, I really loved "Call Me by Your Name." I wasn't so much of a fan of "A Biggest Splash," which is interesting because the writer of Suspiria is the writer of "The Biggest Splash." Re- those two reuniting again. Huh. Um, so I was. I, I kind of went in very cold. I kind of was like, I don't want to know anything about this movie. I just want to go in and experience it as on its own terms. Uh, it is a movie that has been dividing critics everywhere. You know, like it's got a solid 60% on Rotten Tomatoes yeah, at this point. Yeah. Um, and to be honest with you, I can see why. So my take on this movie is I think it is a wonderful reimagining of the original Suspiria. It takes what what basically the bones of the original Suspiria and does away with everything other than the central conceit. Um, and it tries to reimagine it in an interesting way. It reinterprets what the events of Suspiria into a different context. It also uh, does this interesting, unique thing, uh, which I haven't seen Guadagnino do too much, which is that it places heavy emphasis on the political context around this film. Yeah. So there's a lot of a uh, lot of mentions of uh, the Beta Meinhof uh, gang, the uh, the RAF um, Lufthansa crisis, and also the Holocaust being set in Berlin, 1977. Yeah. Um, I think all of that is fascinating, 
interesting ideas. I love that this is, uh, you know, one of the things that people have talked about with the original Suspiria is that it was sort of a subversive feminist uh, horror film. Um, and I think this movie, you know, Guadagnino really leans into that uh, and makes it an outwardly feminist f- horror right, film. Right, right, right. But I have to admit, I found the movie to be a bit of a chore to watch, and I mm. found it a little bit tedious to watch. And ultimately, I don't, for me personally, maybe this would change on a repeat viewing because I think it has got a lot of interesting things on its mind, but it wasn't a film that immediately uh, grabbed my attention even by the very end of it. I felt it was, I felt all of that political context never really landed into a place wow. that made it make sense. Um, and uh, yeah, so this is, this is for me an interesting one because I admire it. I admire the the sort of the the attempt to do this and I admire the fact that it was not a direct remake it's not yes. just trying to do it and I admire that they're trying to reinterpret it, much like the haunting on Hale house right now um, but <laughs> but but I, I have to say for me personally and I know a lot of critics I know a lot of people who love this movie I am not one of them huh Matt how about you well, I'm just shocked that we are so on the same page. Oh, my God. How did that happen? Uh, this movie clocks in at a little over two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, and I never... I thought it... I, about a third through the film, I was like, I don't know if this is a movie for me. Right. Uh, again, beautifully shot. You, mm. you could tell there was something that they wanted to say. Um, <laughs> what was it? That, well, that's, that's a little bit of the thing because they split their time up a lot of different places. The the historical context, which doesn't seem to go anywhere, the very loosely set up witch coven, which they 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 say very early in it, much unlike the original. Yeah, uh, which, no is, which is fine. Here. Which yeah. is fine. Um, but then the real mystery is kind of like because of the way it's edited, who is saying what when? Yeah, in a weird way. Um, and I, it, it didn't really like actually grab my solid attention until like the first nightmare sequence, which is about probably forty five minutes to an hour in. And I, I'll say that first nightmare sequence is extraordinary. Oh, it's, it's fucking great! It's amazing, right? It's so good. Yeah, this is the thing. You know, I I didn't like the movie, but I love that. I, that's the so 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 the visuals great. Um, uh, all the straws it was reaching for, uh, uh, noble, mm. I will say, mm. um, but. I couldn't like when when the movie was done, I didn't care. Yeah. I wasn't I will say I didn't feel like it was long in the chair. Like I wasn't like when is this going to be over? Right. But when it was done, I was like no, it doesn't answer all the questions, right? But at the same time, it didn't get me interested enough to care that it didn't answer all the questions. Right. And that's a failing, I think. Yeah. Uh, in a weird way for all of its strengths. Again, uh soundtrack amazing. Tom York. Uh, yep. Uh <laughs> Oh, the the sound mixing too, like just the the effects work that um <laughs> that was sort of put in all over the damn place. Very crunchy. Oh yeah, very work. crunchy. Uh, the sound of socks hitting wood, I never knew would be so terrifying, yeah. but yet there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I think. Um, another thing that kind of threw me off, and we'll get into a little bit of it here, is Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton. I Who doesn't l- love a little. Tilda I Swinton? love Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Um. I was distracted by the fact she played the psychotherapist. Right, which was it was interesting because they kind of didn't reveal that to everyone, but it's it's so obvious when you're watching yeah. it. It's like, and and I think maybe when I watched it, 
I knew that that was the case, and so all I was looking at was her makeup. And that's what I'm worried about, because I did know that as well. Uh, now, granted, one of my friends, oh, Elise Brando, uh, sister podcast, speaking of Carrie, one of the hosts of that, she went and saw it, and she really loved it, mm-hmm. and she had no idea that that was Tilda Swinton until I actually was like, you know that was Tilda She's like, no, it wasn't, and she had to like look it up, and she went down the K-hole of the internet figuring that out. Right. So maybe she- we were tainted by the fact that we kind of knew it, right. but- but it felt, <laughs> it felt like a, it felt like a a very sort of specific voice trying to do another specific voice underneath it, and like the makeup in pictures looks phenomenal. But when it, when it has to do any sort of like hard movement, it doesn't quite hold up. Um, that that pulled me out uh, to did, be honest. And did, I I thought I'm sorry. I was going to say I was hoping that there might have been some like undercurrent or theme as to why mm-hmm. they were played by the same person. Actually, I was looking at the IMDb page and it actually says um, that she played uh, the Marcos, Marcos well. at the end, yeah. in the, which we won't talk about yet. But like, I was like, is, is the fact that she played all three of these characters trying to say something? And I can't find what that would be. Right. Like, I want to find a meta-narrative in it because otherwise, I think it's kind of useless and distracting. Right, so... I have a theory about that, and I think, and I think I actually like that she played that char- that character. I do too, but at the same time, when you're in a when you're in such a uh, where you're trying to make an intriguing world with like sort of mysteries and dark dark magics that you're not supposed to understand entirely, yeah. and then you have that sort of like trick that's going on just to, to like you're trying to trick the audience. You'll trick about half of them, but like why? I would. If it was a different, this is the thing. If it was a different film and Tilda Swinton played a person that looks like Tilda Swinton and an old man, yeah. and it was a different script that wasn't so like real serious on itself, yeah, I would be like, this is phenomenal because she plays the old man great. Yeah, I just I I, so I couldn't buy in. In the film, uh, she kind of has a Carl Jung look to her, and you know, there's a sort of. Uh, narrative about the original film kind of having this this discussion with psychoanalysis and you know yeah. the formation of identity in this film even in, at one point in the movie they mention um you know that that character um dr joseph is walking through and someone mentions that they're going to go see Kempler. uh lacan um who is a famous psychoanalysis you know who you know famously came up with the idea of the mirror stage in in uh in uh childhood development the idea that you know ch- children look at themselves in the mirror and they form uh, a, a, an understanding of identity that is objective, and they also then see themselves in other people. Sure. So that kind of meta narrative and formation of an identity through three parts of the same person, I think, is interesting. You know, like basically, Tilda Swinton plays three different people who are all kind of struggling with different parts of this identity of this of this witch. Um, you know, and I and 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 that ties into the idea of uh, the three mothers. You know, and and that's a, again a reference to another Argento film, The Mother of Tears, which is part of a trilogy. Suspiria is part of that trilogy, right? Uh, and there's you know they talk about it in this film as well. Is there, there are three different mothers, each able to do different things, but they are part of, part of the same identity. So I think that's kind okay. of I, I I buy that. I also like the idea that there are not a lot of men in this film, and a yes. key and the key male. The singular key male role is actually played by a woman. 
Yeah. I think is an interesting idea, yeah. interesting way to kind of like ensure that this is not like the injection of a male character in a female world. Yes. And I, I, I definitely appreciate that and I like that. And I hope that the reasoning you said beforehand is sort of the reasoning for it. Cause otherwise I would have rather seen another female play an old man. So I didn't, wasn't the I, think you know. I think it's just a way to, a way to interpret it that makes it work. But, it, but well, then also I was just sort of looking at the IMDb. Um, the woman who played uh, Susie's mother, who there's flashbacks to, uh, Malik Gorzita mm. Bella. I yeah. I'm butchering she, that. She, yeah. So she plays the mother, but she also plays death. Now, where is death in the film? Uh, the very end. The, I don't want to spoil well, stuff, okay. but with the, when they're walking through the room and just making stuff happen, there's a definite like monstrous thing. Okay, which I, would play into this idea of the mother. You know, like yeah. again, this is all about femininity, motherhood, the abandonment of the mother. You, you know, like. Yeah, I, again, without spoiling it too much. So I want I want to just point to the reasons why I didn't find that this film worked for me, which is one is the is the primary thing about like losing the mystery of is this a witch's coven or not. So mm -hmm. uh, again, in the original Suspiria, the the film kind of like asked the question: We think this might be witches, but we're not sure, and you're unsure about the psychological state of the main character. Um, also, her name is Susie Banish. The actress appears in this film as well. I forget her name. Um, but um, what happens is that then the, that film has a, like a real narrative trajectory yeah. that you're following. And a narrative doesn't have to be the only thing you're following in a film. You know, Luca Guadagnino is, is a person who's very good at like making films that aren't necessarily narrative trajectories. But I found that the, that kind of revelation up front meant that I was just waiting for the film to kind of kick into gear with stuff <coughs> happening. Yeah. And this is the same problem I had with his previous film with uh, uh, with writer David Kaditch. Uh, oh, is it... Uh, Kadich, Kadich, yeah, uh, a bigger splash, which is that it was a movie that I really enjoyed, but I felt like I was just waiting for the movie to kick into gear. Uh, and this is a movie that takes a long time to kick in gear. Unfortunately, what that means is that your main character, uh, played by Dakota Johnson, Susie Bannon, um, isn't really particularly interesting, um, and her kind of final transformation revelation, which we got to talk about later, yeah, isn't particularly profound or surprising or interesting i like again i admire the sort of like hey we're gonna reinterpret this one idea and in a way celebrate the sort of one facet of it like so agento's film you know kind of uh if you believe in the the subversive feminist film you know like at the end of the film it's a triumph for this for this woman who mm -hmm. like you know overcomes this witch's covenant kind of creates her own identity this first film this new film kind of like celebrates that idea by leaning right into it right at the get-go um and i just I, I just found that that just kind of took the wind out of you know like wind out of the sails a little bit for this film yeah uh i will say that that is all definitely true yeah something that took the the excitement or the or the interest or the or the or lulling me into caring about this film away at the very get-go is the I feel like weirdly I've been harping on editing a lot lately in the last couple. Uh, I things. thought about you uh, in particular for this film, and and I know it was a stylistic choice because the entire film is edited in a certain way to make you feel uneasy. Like yeah. there's no question. Yeah. But before you get to the uneasy shit, the editing while while feeling uneasy also just feels wrong to the point where I was like, okay, uh, yeah, I, I like. And it might be because I, who we are, who we are. And we watched so many films, and we were too like I was in too in my own head about it. But I was like, I get it, movie. Like you're setting me up to feel weird, so I feel weird later. But like you could have just done like 
long shots with some flash cut. Like, I don't know. Like, I felt like there was more apt and 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 effective ways to get across the emotion of feeling confused yeah. uh, than they chose to do. Um, but then, of course, when, when the movie, as you quote mm. sort of said, kicks into gear, mm. that all feels correct. Yeah. It was just in the mundane that I felt like... It, it opens with that very staccato, choppy style of editing, like to the point where... They're basically cutting on every single action and not offbeat on purpose. Yeah, offbeat on purpose, and and not um and and he does this amazing things in terms of coverage, which is that he's basically you know like what is ostensibly a conversation between two people has like thirty cuts in it, and no cut is to the same shot. You know, most times when you're shooting coverage, you'll shoot one angle, then the off angle, and you'll cut back and forth between those two. The thing that makes that first scene really uh, off-putting is that every shot is a new frame. Yeah. And it kind of like continually changes frame. So we're always kind of off-center and off-kilter. And even camera movement in the first third of this movie feels very like deliberate and odd. Yeah. Like when she enters the dance studio, there's like this pull back up on a shaky crane. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, cool. So the way I would characterize that is it's something I noted with Call Me, because it's a stylistic choice that he makes in Call Me By Your Name as well, which is that he has the ability to kind of do these like odd camera choices that, you know, like say a filmmaker like David Fincher would never allow into his films, but he is kind of, I think someone like like he and Paul Thomas Anderson, who also gets a thank you credit at the end of this movie, by the oh, way, how nice. um, uh, are, are kind of people who do, you know, like who kind of embrace the weirdness of like imperfection and that's something he does, you know, like he embraces that that camera move, which like pulls back and shakes and then does this like weird punchy zoom into it. <laughs> um, and and the way I would characterize Guadagnino is that on in any other filmmaker's hands, that would feel um, uh, incorrect or sloppy. But the way I would describe Guadagnino is that he's slightly kind of like a Baroque filmmaker. He's very... He's very aware of style. Like he, he's very uh, well versed in how style can affect a film. Okay. And those things, he leans into that. And so that kind of choppy editing, that kind of odd camera moves, that's something that he just does. And he does very confidently. You know, like I never feel like it's at the hands of someone who's unconfident about what it is they're doing. It's hard to categorize it that way. But, the, but like having seen, you know, four of his movies in a row, uh, that's something I'm I'm fairly comfortable with saying that he is confident in what the ca- in what the story is doing to allow you to have a camera move like that. I, and and I, I th- this is going to be a backhanded compliment, um, <laughs> but it's the equivalent to me. You know I love my analogies of a karaoke person, right? Who okay. is who is singing their heart out and cannot hit a note and is off key, right? Yeah, but is selling it with so much energy and belief in themselves that you are enjoying the the performance in a weird way and not in a way of like oh my god look at the craft of this of this singing this beautiful voice it's like this person believes in themselves more than I've ever believed in myself in my entire life, and that is something to be lauded and praised. The only difference in in your analogy is I think uh, rather than say, I meant a, like that particular shot in, yeah, in the no, film itself. Yeah, you know, but like rather than say that it's a person doing karaoke who can't sing, this is someone who can sing, but sings <laughs> in a choosing di- not. No, no, but just sings in a different key to everybody else, and it's like you know, and that can okay, be beautiful. That's fair. That's you fair. know, like it's just a different key to the way we're used to seeing things being sung. Right. Um. So singing I, uh, uh, Toto's Africa in like D sharp or something. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't know music that well, but okay, I know Toto's Africa. <laughs> um. And so I I think. 
think that, you know, again, you can't, you can't help but admire this film, especially there are sequences in it, like Ooh. the dream sequence we talked about. Yep. There's a particular cross-cutting sequence that we're going to get into. Dance Dance Revolution? Yeah. Uh, there is... Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> the other big thing for me, the other reason why this film doesn't quite land for me is 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 exactly the thing you're talking about, which is the staccato editing and, and the, the sort of uh, unusual camera moves. Because... Okay, so there's a there's a different strand to this idea here, which is that that again, you know, thinking about that notion that the film uses uh, political context and social uh, al- social context to frame the movie. It's yep. telling you Berlin, 1977, revolutionary armies going on. There's a division between East and West. Uh, the Lufthansa thing we've already talked, you know, we talked about all those things. So there's this idea that there is a world kind of imploding on itself. Yes, none of that idea. <laughs> leans into the thing that I think is the most important thing this film should be doing, which is the dance. Now, the dance, the choreography of the dance is extraordinary. I think, like, I watch this and I go, this is modern dance at at, at its finest. It looks beautiful. But it's cut up in a way that, like, doesn't allow me to enjoy it. And none of the tension of the external storytelling imposes itself in the dance other than when uh, Madame Blanc says this is a dance that we performed uh, during the war and this will be the last time we perform it. It's called Volk, which means people, uh, which means the folk, the people. Um, but it doesn't, you don't watch the dance and you kind of... You can't watch the dance. You can't watch the dance. Yeah, the, you know, the, the dance is cut up so, so much that it's like, it's hard for me to enjoy it, even though I think it looks extraordinary. And it doesn't like... I feel like the center point for all of this allegory, all of this like external storytelling should be in the dance. Like every time we watch the dance, that's when we should be kind of transfixed in the film. And we're, for me personally, I never was. Um, well, no, because they don't let you. Yeah. Um, two points. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. Also, the historical context, while, again, while working on series like Extra History on YouTube, I've become a bit of a, a obsessive about history at this point. Yeah. I just because it, it, I'm finding a lot of stories that I didn't even know about. And I was very interested in this time period more. I was like, oh, I wonder if there's some stuff that like I wouldn't know or whatever. And it's setting this up. Is it something very important, like as a side you know, thing or whatever? And maybe the dances will have something to do with that. And yes, she mentions it, but that's basically like, you know, a line of dialogue talking about it. Yeah. The, uh, and if the dances themselves actually speak to that time period, which I'm sure they do, because it seems like something that would be easy to make sure it, it you know, syncs up. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see it because I couldn't see it because they're cutting around it too quick and it didn't you lose you lose the um you lose the effectiveness of the dancing itself and if that's supposed to be the most important thing either as an art form or as a form of casting spells yeah uh it, I didn't I didn't feel that particular magic not to sound super weird and dumb but yeah. like I wanted to watch the dancing more because I bet you it did have something to say. It's just the 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 edit and the pacing of the film kind of stopped you from doing that. And the 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 historical stuff had no tie. Yeah, like I was waiting. Like you could have ditched all the stuff about the the terrorists and the bombing yeah. and and all that sort of stuff made zero yeah. impact that I could tell. You could have the psychoanalyst or the psychotherapist um, character. Yeah. 
uh, could totally you could deal with the fact that he was separated from his wife during the the Holocaust. The Holocaust and then there's uh, you know we're getting into more deep and deep spoilers here. I think we're about yeah we're, it's about spoiler time uh, for light spoilers anyway. There's a, spoilers now. Yeah, um, there is a moment where he gets evil Lind hard, and they, they basically his they think his wife is back, and there's this whole thing, and then they lead him right back to the witch's coven. Uh, of course, I'm referencing the seminal mm-hmm. film from the 80s, uh, Master of the Universe, where Evil Lynn pretends to be Courtney Cox's mother to get back the uh, <laughs> cosmic key so they can actually strand He-Man and his friends on Earth while Skeletor rules Eternia. Other than that, though, um, I just... It, it, I don't know. Like The, the context itself for, about the historical stuff, I wanted to tie in more, and I thought maybe the dance, nope, can't see it. I thought maybe the stories, um, maybe it has something to do with Suzanne's uh, mother. Uh, or which it might have, but that was back in the United States in Iowa or Ohio or wherever it was an I state, um, uh, Idaho. I don't know. No, it was Ohio. It was yeah. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, so like I don't know. I felt like there was a lot of rich history that the movie wanted you to think it was tapping into, but then even if it did, it didn't give you the time to show you that it did. Yeah, I I think there's just a. And it may be the case of a repeat viewing. Like maybe there's a, you know, like maybe this film unlocks itself on a couple of viewings. So the people that I that I've talked to that love this movie have seen it multiple times. Um, I just found, you know, like that. Uh, Call me by your name, uh, a bigger splash. I am love. Were all films that like engage me to want to do repeat viewings. You know, I've seen all of those films many times. Uh, this is not a film that I'm like excited to see again. And the, the comparison I would make in this is 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 an odd one. But to a film that similarly we saw this year, I kind of feel like this is this is fairly to me akin to Mandy. Um, it, Weird. It feels a little bit like Mandy, which is that it's got an interesting idea at the core of it, but it kind of sails through on one note. I would, and by the time we get to the end. I'm not that engaged. I think I'm going to disagree with you harder than I normally would because we're agreeing so much on the film okay, itself. Sure. Uh, I don't think Mandy has a real deep core to it. <laughs> I think Mandy's got an interesting idea at the very core of it. What's that idea? The idea of um, the toxic male who believes they're entitled to a person, and then and then the point for me, uh, which is the cult leader who takes the you know the and where's why I don't want to give too yeah, much yeah, away yeah. for Mandy, but the the point at which Mandy kind of loses its thread for me is when it just becomes a straight laced revenge. Right, film. and that's that, where I think that's where I'm like, oh, you were trying to say something and you stopped saying something. Yeah, and I think Suspiria is trying to say something, and but I think it, it, I, it never starts to. Uh, no, it to me the the key line here in Suspiria is when um, they say to the psychoanalysis, you take women's fears and, and, and tell them it's a delusion. So it's about women being not recognized for their, you know, for, for, for the pain that they have. And like you see... You and know, they mention that, sure, but the film itself doesn't really show you that because the women are the ones causing the... No, but they're causing the pain amongst themselves. Like, think about, uh, I think it's Olga, the first victim, yeah. you know, who is basically uh, twisted and contorted in this sort of, uh, you know, this body, this sort of almost Cronenbergian body horror. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, a, she is, her pain, you know, like she almost has to take it silently. Um, and, and it's similar to, um, and then there's an ongoing story with Susie herself about this idea that, you know, like uh, she basically abandons her uh, Amish uh, family, you know, a family upbringing. And that's kind of the horror that she is, you know, thinking about the entire film. And she, 
uh, her mother at some point on her deathbed believes that she might have been a sin from birth. So she is kind of wrestling with this idea of like her own identity which may be evil kind of thing which as it turns out is evil but she also doesn't uh but she doesn't really struggle and she also doesn't hear that when the mother says it like that's the thing that the audience hears that she doesn't hear but she does she does know that she's being rejected by her mother at some point right like she she dreams about it as inflicted upon by the other woman yeah so she is kind of i i think you know and and also the the first character played by chloe grace moritz is like goes to the psycho psychoanalysis and says these are the things that are happening and he talks about delusions and he doesn't quite believe leave her to begin with it's only through the course of the movie that he does he's it's the same story that happens with his wife his wife said they should have left germany and he didn't do it in time because he didn't agree with it so i think there's this interesting idea about like okay i can see that accepting women's pain as real and i think it's it's a sort of beautiful idea i if me it you know by the time we get into suspiriosia uh mother suspiriosia you know basically making her arrival on the scene through the body of Susie. I'm like, I don't think this is all kind of connected. And the, and the, we'll talk. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that sort of, I think in a little bit, I want to, I want to just get into real quick. You use Mandy as an example. I would say a f- what I wanted this film to be like for me, for an experience I know the film you're going to mention is mother. Yeah, exactly. It because is. I walked out of mother and I was like, I don't know if I like this, but I want to see it again. Yeah. And I've watched that movie five times now. Right. It's a great movie. And, and I, it it seems like it has something to offer to me each time, and and this movie I would be I'll watch it again if it comes up, um, just to see if the if it holds true. But like, I don't know. Uh, okay, maybe there's a bunch of stuff I would notice upon a second viewing, but the movie didn't do the work for me in the first place to quickly go like uh, speed cut oddly across its whole plot points and and its whole you know the entirety of it. And didn't didn't endear it enough to me, or make me question it enough to be like, oh, I wonder if I saw it again, if I'd have more to see. Like maybe there would be more to see, but it didn't entice me to go look for it. Right. Um. And where mother, I walked out and I was like, I understand a third of that. I need to see it again. Right. I yeah. I kind of. I think this is a rich film, but I have to agree with you that that I found it a little bit tedious to watch and without much of a revelation. Which, in the same way, Mandy did that for me. I was kind of like, I think this is this this thematically rich stuff in it, and it and I admire the film, and I admire the sort of like the filmmaking, uh, but I don't love this film, and 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 it's really tough because you know like as you know Luca Guadagnino for me right now is three three for four and three really big hits from four. Right. Um, so this is the first time I've kind of felt a little bit lit down and disappointed um, by by my reaction to the film. And I think I think, you know, again, it's it's got a lot on its mind. And I and and there's no denying the power of a couple of sequences in this movie. There's just there are I, I would say three remarkable sequences in this movie. But they are remarkable on their own outside of the movie themselves. They yep. don't necessarily resonate within the things that I think the movie wants them to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, we're going to talk about that right now, I guess, but it, the first is obviously Olga's death. Sure. Um, which is extraordinary. It is, it is brutal, difficult. And if you're going to try and top the beauty of Dario Argento, 
then there's no, you know, the other way to do is to make it as grotesque as possible. And this is grotesque. Yeah. Basically, uh, uh, Dakota Johnson mm. does some, some, some dance puppeteering that she doesn't realize she's doing, or does she? I don't know. No. Um, and basically, during her dance of the lead that we used to be Olga's, uh, mm. Olga's is in, another, is in another dance studio uh, being forced around to bend in ways that Olga shouldn't be bending. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's brutal. It's effing brutal. Yeah. And it's, but it's beautifully intercut. Like, that's where the editing works. Yeah, the editing is extraordinary there. And if, and if you saved that trick for those moments, you would have kept me in there. Like, I, I would have, yeah. I don't know. Like, there's, there's a, there's a million ways to edit a scene. And they picked one of the few for the normal scenes, and especially in the beginning where I was like, you're trying too hard. You're trying too hard. But like in this, in this particular case, where the dance and, and Olga being brutally twisted um, had a beauty to it, and that was it was yeah. interesting because it's the same style just used correctly. Um, and then the the dream sequences obviously are super sort of intercutty as well, but they're, they're all they're amazing. Yeah, they're extraordinary. And you get so much more information out of those scenes than anything else really in the film. Yeah. Um, I had a really hard time following the witch politics. Yeah, you don't really get a sense of what the witches are about, what they want, or how they operate. Right? Yeah, and you, you, they do a weird vote in the beginning. Yeah, uh, for either um, uh, Blanc or uh, Marcos. Marcos. Yeah, and cool. <laughs> and uh, Marcos is chosen. And Marcos we wins. And they, there's a kind of a telepathic communication between the witches that we're not too... Like, they, they, they don't seem to speak to each other. Yeah. They just kind of... Um, they're kind of just... But know. then, like, okay, so the movie's rolling along, <laughs> and uh, bad stuff happens. To be, you know, Olga gets messed up. Uh, Sarah, uh, 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 what's it called? Susie's friend is starting to, like, get wise and, like, meet <laughs> with the psychotherapist, and then, uh, you know, Sarah beats a fucking brutal end. Um, but the, uh, the thing that got me was there was like, there were all, all the witch like leaders were sitting around a table and then one of them just decided to stab themselves in the neck. Yeah. I was like, why? Yeah. Yeah. That one, that I, I've read some things about why that happened, but Can I, you tell me? but, but I, I'm with you, which is that in the movie, in the moment, I was still like, I'm waiting for this to kind of reveal itself and you know like so that i understand it whereas i don't think it actually came in yeah you know what this movie felt like and this i hope i'm not alienating some people but when i when i'm saying this but but okay i play tabletop role playing games okay okay so dungeons and dragons pathfinder vampire rifts whatever mm -hmm. and a great tabletop rpg in my opinion is when the game master themselves who is writing the story or using a module um not only builds an interesting and rich world but knows the pace and amount of information to give the players at any current time right i've good also, storytelling good storytelling yeah i've played with players that have developed literally a whole world of wonders and magnificent like treasure troves of plot and character development and depth but the problem is they're so excited about having created all that that they either throw it at you too quickly or don't feed it to you in a way that's actually like manageable at all. Yeah. So like like I look at Suspiria, right? And I'm like, I know there's a rhyme and reason to everything that's going on. Yeah. But much like a game that I just sort of described when a game master doesn't quite know how to run uh, the game that they're doing, 
they get I you know I feel like maybe they got lost in the weeds a little bit with Suspiria and they were like because they knew that everything made sense they're like oh well if we just put like these couple of frames here and there like everyone will get it or maybe they won't they may, maybe they were like we don't care if everyone gets it cuz our story's so good like it just felt so like there was it, this is how I'll put it <laughs> all of the information has been created yeah and is available somewhere but they're not making it easy or they're not making it easy to get on first viewing and they're definitely not piquing my interest enough to do the work for a second viewing. Yeah, so you know, I'm kind of always a little bit divided on how to approach this because there are cases when you watch a film where you go I don't think the filmmaking is of a strength where the confidence to, you know, like be Baroque and abstract are is on display, and you yeah. kind of feel like you're in the hands of a filmmaker that isn't able to kind of pull that off. This is not one of those cases. Now, maybe I'm biased on that because I love his no, other. Films I agree. And, you know his other films so much. I feel like this is a case. You know, and again, I like the idea. It's something that the you know one of the characters sees is that we're going to smash the noses of everything that is beautiful. We don't need to, we we can't have dance be beautiful right now. And it's kind of like I'm watching this movie going, oh, there must be a moment of catharsis where this becomes beautiful. And this movie is basically explicitly saying to you, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to make this not beautiful. I I can't say that that resonated. The film that did that for me this year was you were never really there. Mm. You know, because that's a film that just says we're not going to give you the things you think you want out of a film yeah, like yeah. this. And it just doesn't do it. And this, I feel like this is in that camp, but doesn't work for me. Mm. Um, and so it's really, it's a really tricky thing because I want to love it. I want to like, Same. I want to, because if you, if you love this film, you will walk out and champion it. You'll be like, no, this is doing something so innovative and so... Elise loved it. Elise yeah. loved it. And and I, I got me excited to go see it more than I... I mean, I was excited to see it beforehand, but... Yeah. And and you would, you know, you'll kind of shout it from the rooftops, but I I just wasn't there. You know, like I, 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 I did find it tiresome and I did find it... And I and I found like as, as, I think Dakota Johnson as an actress is kind of becoming really interesting for me because yes. you know we just saw her in Bad Times at the El Royale and I think she's sort of cultivated this persona of like uh, timidity with repressed sexuality under the surface. But she's right? also breaking out of the Fifty Shades mold, I think, a little bit too. Like, granted, she's taking that sort of like weird, uh, you know, Twilight fanfic vibe that she had going on, and now she's turning it. Into something, into something, and and bucking it sometimes, like because I don't think that she had that in bad times. I, she I, definitely has it here. Yeah, and and I, you know, I think it's a it's a smart casting choice, and and like, you know, we she definitely conveys the passion for being in this dance troupe, yes. and like, you know, I I think you know uh, this is sort of a, almost similar to I Tanya in a respect, which is that you know she trained very hard to be a dancer, and she's not necessarily. Uh, a dancer in the way that these dancers are dancers and she does a really good job and I think you know part of the thing that frustrates me is I feel like the editing is just there to help her out um, oh I hope not yeah you know, like but but that's kind of even if that's not what it was that's what it feels like yeah yeah um, and so I like her I like the cast but I I just found the the what they did with her character uh, you know to be the center of this movie to be so uninteresting and so uh, not 
you know, there's just it doesn't feel like there was any there there. Um, and and like even Tilda Swinton kind of has that sort of you know she's sort of clearly inspired by Pina Bausch, the the famous uh, dance uh, modern dance choreographer. Um, you know, but but there's just nothing there that gets me excited about that character. The thing that got me excited about the character is one shot at the end of the movie um, when Madame Blanc has been killed, uh, you know, by having her, the back of her head like kind of shredded off. She had a half cut. Yeah, and then, and then as she's like, as they're doing, the, as the witches are kind of cleaning up, they lift her head and for that moment that her head is lifted, she's like, oh, I'm awake again. And then they drop it and she dies. I just thought that was funny. And I was like, oh, you know, I think what I'm missing with this character is this sort of wicked sense of humor but again i think what i wanted is what you would expect and i think this film is giving you what you don't expect but here's the thing i don't know what any character outside the therapist wants right yeah i don't and the therapist just wants to uh his wife back and if he can't have that to sort of like not feel guilty anymore yeah and he you know he gets that in a weird way but the Okay, let's let's rewind for a second to the very end when the huge dance orgy thing is happening. Yeah. Not really an orgy, it's that just a big the first, dance. I, I will say, that was the first scene where I was like, I can see the dance, the dance looks cool. Yep, there you go. <laughs> big, nice, wide shots. Yeah. Um, the So when the twist, twist happens mm. and you realize that Dakota Johnson's Susie is actually the embodiment of the person that, the, that Marcos is pretending to be. Yeah. Um, when when the fuck did that happen? So again, I've read things that suggest Please what it let is. Let me know. But like the idea is, is that she's always been the chosen one. So, so she's she, been testing the coven? No, no. So that that you know how like at the beginning she's drawing uh, a picture, you know, she's drawing on the map and she's like pointing to Berlin. Yep. Is that she's she's always she is the reincarnation of this character and she's always been drawn to this which is you know like why her mother says she might be evil great cool <laughs> um there's never been a moment where she's had any semblance of of realizing that until all of a sudden she asks a question of yeah. the of the evil marcos or evil or just lying marcos and then she's like nope i'm the person you say you are <laughs> and then she's that big bad witch yeah. and i was like what yeah like it, it, there's never a a sort of hump to get There's over. There's no transformation. Yeah. Just, she's just playing one character, then playing another character. Yeah. And I was like, what? okay. I was hoping you'd have some light to show on that. And I get that. I get... But you know, you want it to be more than... You want, you want to feel that in the movie. Yeah. You want to feel that revelation and not just have her say it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought that, you know, like when she like rips open her skin and stuff, I thought that was beautiful. The, yeah, everything that, looks fucking rad as hell. That final blood-soaked kind of like head exploding. Death walking around just yeah. popping people like zits. I thought that was her, so I didn't realize no, that. that was, was death. And death was her mom. Okay. Um, Played by the same actress. I don't, I mean, that's probably has something to do with it. Okay. Um. Yeah, It. it didn't... It just didn't land for me. And again, you know, the the you know, I think we've said this a bunch of times already. The the political context around this film, other than saying we're this is a divided society, and I guess it echoes the sense that the coven itself is divided. But we don't know what they really want, and we don't we have know what no clue. We don't really know what they're about. They want to save Marcos because she was voted the leader, but then cool. She's also like a false prophet. You know, she's not the leader so cool yeah uh but then the witches uh also were dancers cool 
I mean, I like, again, I like the idea that there is this like old, you know, this coven of older women who are like sucking the sap out of these younger dancers that are coming through. Sure, but even even that (laughs) isn't clear. No, it's not clear. It's not clear at all. Uh, and I don't know if it's relying, you know, on uh, you know having seen the first one yeah. <laughs> or or what, but it is not clear whatsoever what anyone but the therapist wants. Yeah, and um, it's weird to pin the whole resolve of this movie on the therapist. You know, this male character who kind of gets some sort of absol- absolute. Now, again, I think. If you're invested in this movie, you know what I like about this movie as well is that it's not giving you clear. I like it when movies kind of like make you do some of the work, but none of the you, no work is rewarded. Yeah, none of the work is rewarded in this film, and it's like it's just it, work. It's just it feels very like there's a lot of ideas here. There's a lot of rich tapestry. There's a lot of lot of stuff in this movie. Uh, but none of which, for me personally, and I guess this will be my final thought on sure. it, um, none of it, for me, connects in a way that is meaningful um, and revelatory or profound or, you know, like even even in a sort of perfunctory way, like even in a sort of like, oh, it's interesting that the film was about this. Like I stuck around, I, I, I just happened to be in the film uh, as the credits were rolling, and I was listening to the Tom York track, yep. uh, or listening to the score, and there is a post-credit sequence. Oh God, what uh, is it? Uh, it's just basically Dakota jo- uh, Johnson looking towards the camera, and she does the kind of memory wipe thing that she did for Doctor Joseph, and then you know she kind of smiles and walks off. Oh, that's that's easy because I'm not going to think about this movie again. Yeah, I know. And so I was like, uh, uh, like that. that zing! That even made the film feel, you know, because I was like, oh, wait, so you thought that what you had showed me was profound and we're going to wipe it away now? And I was like, oh, but it's not. I'm I'm just not there with this movie. Cool. <laughs> um, um, I'm sorry, I'm John Olivering hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just going to say this. Um, there's some good and some bad. I think everyone, I would still like most people who like movies to go check it out for themselves and see how they feel about it. But go in knowing that you might not get something that that is worth the t- like it's a gamble yeah. it's a it's a gamble for your time and your money but it's it's here's the thing <laughs> i would still push someone to go see this film over like a bunch of other random nonsense just on the off chance that it might be one of their favorite films right but i think we should come up with like how we feel about it and and for me i'm not going to recommend this movie okay I think I, I okay. You, you know what? You are hundred percent correct. Here's what I'm going to say. Where what I just said beforehand comes from my morbid curiosity about whether or not people will like it. At least loved it. At least right? loved it. And there are a lot of critics that love this but, movie. So like, I'm curious, dear listeners, what you thought of this movie, and I'd love to hear why you liked it or dis- disliked it. Only movie podcast at gmail.com. Um, but but also, you are right, Shahir. I shouldn't be the evil witch that I was just being. <laughs> I would not rec if you have like one movie a month to go see. I go see something else. Um, yeah. You know, if you see everything, then or you can, you know, got that sort of that, you know, that that movie, those movie bucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check it out, and then tell me what you thought because that's worth the experiment, and I'll play you like a, a dancing puppet. <laughs> 
Um, You'll throw me against the wall and contort my body in ways that I've never thought they could uh, be contorted. Okay, let's ease up on the fan fiction. This has been the only podcast uh, about the film Suspiria. Well, it's suspiciously hot in this room she, now. Here, there you go. When some you, alliteration when for you. When you are not, uh, when you just didn't come here to dance, where can folks find you? That was uh, a Carly Rae Jepsen uh, reference, by the way. I'm just saying. Which song? I didn't just come here to dance. Is that? Oh, see, I, I fell <laughs> off the Carly Rae Gibson thing after uh, Call Me Maybe. Um, I You can find me at my podcast. Uh, not my podcast. This is my podcast. This is your podcast. Uh, you can find me on my website, uh, com. That's S-H-A-H-I-R-D-A-U-D. Matt, when you are being forced into a corner to make a hard recommendation or dismissal of a movie, where can people find you making putting up a wall between uh, yes and no uh, like uh, like East Berlin. No one puts Crowley in a corner. You can find me at M A T T H E W K R O L for my life and works. Also, Skelter, the number four P R E Z on Instagram or Emperor M S K on Twitter. Also, check out all my stuff and the wonderful stuff that the Extra Credits crew does on the YouTube channel. Extra Credits. We got history. We got video games. We got sci-fi. We got mythology. We got all sorts of you guys stuff. Got movies? Uh, we're, we're working yeah. on it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll be the first on that call. Don't okay. you worry. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, thank you everybody for listening. You can get a hold of us at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. I think that's the ninth time we've said it this time, but we really actually, all the emails and stuff we've been getting, the tweets, uh, onlymoviepod, uh, have been so fun and wonderful, and we really like having the Discord with you. So please, uh, let us know your thoughts, feelings, uh, and etc. Suggestions, questions, comments. Scratches, itches. If you'd like to film yourself doing an interpretive dance of whatever thing you'd like to say, we will 100% watch that and, and, and answer you accordingly um, I, I might skip it <laughs> i'll watch it yeah. uh until next time i guess um you know if you're good happy thanksgiving oh yeah happy thanksgiving and we'll wish you a happy after thanksgiving when you're all fat and bloated from all the wonderful food is that what happened i mean we don't have thanksgiving uh, uh, well oh uh yeah i mean you get the itis pretty hard yeah